Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz, and I am an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line in Los Angeles, is the broke with expensive taste to my Chinese democracy, Keith Caulfield. How's it going, Keith? I'm Azalea Banks. Really? Well, you, you're the Azalea Banks album, the long Out of all the rappers Azalea that have like, thrown out really controversial statements about gay folks, I'm Azalea Banks this morning. I didn't say you were Azalea Banks. I, w- I said you're broke with expensive taste. I guess that isn't the nicest thing ever, but... I said that I'm um, Chinese democracy. I, it was a it was a long delayed album thing. Dude, I'll, Come I'll, on. I'll I'll be I'll be Dre's long lost album. I Detox, know. whatever the hell. What, what? Yeah, you'll be Detox. That's fine. You know what? You, you meant it. You meant nothing ill will from what you said. <laughs> I know you didn't. You know what's funny is that coming up later this week is the 15th anniversary of Dr. Dre's last album, Chronic 2001. So it's been 15 years since Dr. Dre um, first started teasing t- Detox. Oh well. Oh well. Keep on teasing. Someday. Keep on. Keep on. Keep on. Well, well, Keith, we teased our <laughs> listeners last week by saying that we have some special guests coming up, and you said if you've been paying attention to Year of the Booty. Um, so we do not booty, have booty, we booty. we do not have Kim Kardashian. First off, I just want to clear that up. If you've seen that magazine cover, you know what we're talking about. If everyone, it broke the internet as it was intended to do. Um. Anyway, we do not have Kim Kardashian. We do have we have Nick Jonas though. We have Nick Jonas stopping by the Pop Shop podcast, which was great. I talked to him um, earlier this week, actually last week, about his uh, his new album and and you know being shirtless a lot and and the moving on from the Jonas Brothers. It's a really great chat. We're going to get to that later in the show. We're also going to talk about the Hot 100. Taylor Swift is still number one, but we have some new entries into the top 30. And I want to go over a segment called The Week in Uneasiness. Uh, speaking of, you know, actually, Azealia Banks is not in The Week of Uneasiness, which is great. But we For once, finally. For, we, she did it. She she, uh, she released some good you music. go, girl. Fi- finally stop being slightly controversial. Exactly. Great job, Azealia Banks. But we do have to call out um, Eminem, Nicki Minaj's video director, and... It, on a lesser scale, of course, than either of those people. Rodney Jerkins. We're gonna we're gonna talk about all these people, but first, Keith, let's get the ball rolling. Billboard 200 albums chart. So finally, this week there, it's been a crowded week of album releases. We've got some cool stuff. Last week on, on actually on this week's Billboard 200 chart, I should say. One yeah, this week's chart out. is kind of boring. Next week's chart will get really exciting. Exactly. So uh, you wrote about the chart. Taylor Swift once again number one. We're not, uh, unlike the last two Pop Shop podcasts, we're not going to linger on Taylor Swift too much this week, but she is once again number one with 
the second biggest sales week of the year, only behind her own sales week of 1989 last week. Uh, yeah, so, so so 1989 is number one again for for the second week with 402,000 sold in the week ending November 9th, according to Nielsen SoundScan. Um, and that's, as you said, the second biggest sales week of the year. Of course, the biggest week was last week when she started with 1.287 million. Um, she may even be number one again next week at the rate we're going. Um, her numbers are just so big; it's really hard to sort of compete with, you know, the the seventy thousand pound, you know, gorilla in the room named yeah. nineteen eighty nine. So true. I mean, you saw it this week when it kind of got it wiped out new stuff from Bette Midler and and Calvin Harris. Both had top five debuts, but nowhere near what nineteen eighty nine sold in its second week. So next week on the Billboard two hundred albums chart, we will have some new stuff populating the top ten. Probably we have new albums from Foo Fighters, Pink Floyd, and Garth Brooks. Those are the ones that I've underlined. Keith, out of all yep. of those debuts, what will be what will probably be the top debut? The top debut will probably be. Industry forecasters suggest that it's funny. My mouth makes a really funny shape when I do this voice. Um, will probably be the Foo Fighters' new album. Um, it, but it will not be number one. It'll probably debut at number two. Um, but I think it, it could sell, you know, maybe 200,000 copies. Uh, I don't have the exact forecast, but that's that's the guesstimate that I have right now. Uh, Taylor could do, you know, maybe another 300 or somewhere in that vicinity. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, she'll still be quite a quite a chunk ahead of, of the foos. I mean, that's pretty, That that's, uh, uh, again, we're banning ourselves a little bit from talking about Taylor Swift since we focused on Taylor so much oh, over the past. Oh, come on. Come on. We got, we got, there's so many other artists worth talking about. I, I know Taylor Swift setting records and whatnot, but we, we got to say, like, the third week, to sell over 300,000 in a third week of release, as Taylor Swift may very well do next week, that's insane. I mean, to put it in perspective, only one album, Coldplay's Ghost Stories, I believe, has sold over 300,000 copies, or at least debuted with 300,000 copies in a single week this this year. Um, it's it's insane, man. Well, you know, it is. And and this is why we talk about Taylor Swift so much, is because, uh, you know, she's she's a... She's a she's our Billboard Woman of the Year, and there's a reason why that she is. Um, and, you know, her last album did... Um, well, it did 1.2 million, then it did 344 in its second week, 344,000, and then did 196. So, you know, 1989 is holding up really well. Um, so basically, everyone that was ever going to buy an album, they're just deciding to buy Taylor Swift's album exactly. instead of other albums that are out. Yeah. So, Keith, let's talk about the Foo Fighters album for a second. Their last album, Wasting Light, I believe, debuted at number one in 2011. Sonic Highways is the new Foo Fighters album. It's, it's an ambitious project. They went to it's eight songs long. They went to eight cities to record each song and use the songs to kind of reflect the cities that they're recorded in. It's, it's a great concept. It's yeah, great it's concept. very cool concept. It's being paired with a HBO documentary, kind of you know taking on the in in eight parts in eight installments, taking on the album, explaining how this album came together. So are these? I, I'm curious because are these songs working at radio? Like I believe the the lead single is something from nothing. That at least that's the first one that came out. Are, are is this like typical Foo Fighters performance going on right now? Yeah, well, I mean, something from nothing is the the top uh, the mo- the most heard, most played song on rock radio. Um, it's number one on our rock airplay chart with 
nearly 17 million in audience. It's not on the overall radio songs chart, which monitors airplay across all formats of radio, uh, but that's not that terribly unusual because Foo Fighters haven't had a top 40 hit uh, overall on all radio since 2000, uh, ooh, gee, uh, scrolling backwards, 2000 with Learn to Fly. So wow. they're mostly like a core rock act at this point, but they usually creep on with like, you know, sort of a low lying all format radio hit, but they don't, they have such sort of a core fan base. They don't really need top 40 radio because, you know, Dave Grohl is such a character. He's so charismatic. The band is so well known. They've been around for a very long time. They're a veteran act with a very core fan base. And as you said, they have this built in marketing push, you know, from the documentary series. They have a very specific theme that's happening with the album. Um, and they've even gone as far as to, um, release alternate covers of the album yeah. uh, if, if so if you buy the there's eight different vinyl versions of the album i think or nine one for each city uh with a different cover um the content inside is the same uh but uh, you can you know if you're a crazy vinyl head you can get like each different you know cover and collect them all um so i mean it's, it's a cool concept and it's and, and i think that's probably helping generate some interest in it yeah, I mean, this is the kind of project where I heard something from nothing, and I just I, I thought, well, this is this is a good song, but I kind of need it in the context of the rest of this album, because mm-hmm. it's such a concept album, and people, you know, like you said, it's going to debut at number two behind Taylor Swift probably next you, week. But you need a hook these days. Yeah, you exactly. Know, you, you, and that's and that's the hook, and, and that's the hook. It's that you know, this is you you want to take this little road trip across America with Dave Grohl and the rest of the Foo Fighters. And I think, and and just and the last thing about this, I'll say is, you know, it, it worked um, very well you know, in terms of sort of building building the the the, the structure, the infrastructure for this album with um, the documentary that he did, uh, Sound City. Yeah. Um, you know, where you know you really kind of got a feel of how passionate he is about rock music, and it and it made it very tangible to a lot of people. And I think that probably kind of laid the groundwork for for this album in many ways. So speaking of laying groundwork, Garth Brooks also put out an album this week, his first in many, many years. And again, Keith, I am i mean, this it's not going to sell more than Taylor Swift 1989 in its third week, not, not likely at least, should no. should be beaten by Foo Fighters. Uh, what's, what's the sales projection for that one? Um, I don't have an exact one for Garth's uh, new album, which is called Man Against Machine. Um, but I think it's going to be somewhere in the 150 range ish. Okay. I think it's going to be, it's going to do about as well as the new Pink Floyd quasi all instrumentals album that just came out. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, Garth is, is made this a very sort of challenging record. In a yeah, lot of exactly. Ways, you know? And that's what I wanted to ask about just because the, the unusual way of releasing this album to retail, do you think it's hurt him? I, I mean, well, well, first I guess let's explain how this album is coming out it's not like you could purchase this album on itunes uh no you can't uh you can't actually purchase it on any digital service save for his own uh ghost tunes uh i believe that's the name of the 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 site um uh, and because he's you know he wants to make sure that he sells it in the way that he wants to sell it and he doesn't believe in selling uh his tracks a la carte um on itunes uh so he has uh cut out you know the basically the biggest retailer in the world from yeah. selling his album so that's gonna hurt um however as we've seen in the past 
Um, and also, you can buy this album at you know any retail store. Like you can go to Walmart and Target and Kmart and Best Buy, and you can buy it on Amazon.com as a compact disc. Um, as we've seen in the past, though, um, exclusive deals with physical retailers have often worked quite well. You know, uh, ACDC's Black yeah, Ice was the, a huge seller. One. You know, Garth himself has done exclusives with physical retailers. So. You know, but those were in the years past, and I think it might be more difficult now, especially because Garth has taken him out of the pic- he's taken himself out of the picture for so long. He's been completely, essentially off the radar in terms of new music for a very long time, um, and I think that's that's kind of hurt uh, him in a way in terms of trying to sort of rebuild his career, uh, you know, on the music scene. It's just so hard. I mean, you see it. Very occasionally with an artist like Justin Timberlake, I mean, he was gone for six and a half years, but still had people hungry enough for for new music. And there are people hungry for new Garth Brooks music. It's just, you know, like you said, he's making it challenging for modern consumers to buy his product. And I I understand why. I mean, this is his decision. It's his art. He can sell it any way he wants. But it's just it's probably going to affect that number a little bit. Yeah, I thought it was really, uh, you know, and this is also his first his first studio album, his first new studio album since 2001. Um, so that's like a generation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's an, there's an entire there's an entire generation of of music fans and country music fans that don't know of Garth as aside from being someone who made these hits in the 90s and the, basically. Um, and I thought that was never more telling than on the CMA Awards. Uh, last week, when Garth, who is a legend uh, and is legendary, uh, came out to present Entertainer of the Year, which is the biggest award of the night, mm-hmm. and Luke Bryan won it. I think it's the first time that Luke Bryan has won it, and Luke Bryan is essentially the king of country music right now. Um, he's young, he's got tons of hits, and when he accepted his award, he said, this is the first time I've met Garth Brooks. Can I can I hug you again? And he did. And I'm like, you know, I think that kind of tells you something right now that the biggest, you know, one of the biggest stars in country music and, and that night crowned Entertainer of the Year had never actually met Garth Brooks, who was arguably the biggest music star, certainly the biggest male music star of the 1990s. Um, Unreal. I, th- I think it's just such an interesting contradiction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is what you do when you not only don't release an album for a while, but completely remove yourself from the game. And now he's now he's back with a new album, and uh, I guess we'll see how it does on next week's Billboard 200 albums chart. So, Keith, moving over to the Hot 100, Taylor Swift still number one with "Shake It Off." It's it's worth noting that this is now her longest run, not consecutively, but the most weeks spent by a Taylor Swift song at number one on the Hot 100. Fourth week because we are never ever getting back together. Her other number one single was only there for three weeks. So yeah, most people are surprised that she's only had two number ones yeah. on the Hot 100. So there you go. Well, do you, what, what do you think about Blank Space? Because the music video came out this week. I think it's a fantastic music video. Did you, have you seen the Blank Space music video? Right? I have. I have. Oh, just so cool, man! It's great. And I, I, yeah. I was kind of like. I was a little bit lukewarm on the Shake It Off music video. I kind of got it, but I was like, eh, all right. And, and, but I think the Blank Space video directed by Joseph Kahn, it, it was just, it's so clever and if it, it, it's just fun. It's, it's, it's almost like it reminded me of like a little bit of like Blue Jasmine, Kate Blanchett a little bit. Um, oh. I know that's the vibe I got. But anyway, anyway, Keith, do you think this video will have a big impact on the song? Do you see this? You know, absolutely. I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, anytime you re- release a really super buzzy video, um, it's going to help you. I mean, you know, look at what happened with uh, 
with Nicki Minaj's Anaconda, True. with you know, uh, you know the Ariana Grande Bang Bang, Jesse J. Nikki song, you know, anytime you have a big buzzy music video that gets tons and tons of views, um, especially when it's released at the right time of the week, um, it can really help the chart fortunes. I don't know if that'll be enough to, to send it to number one necessarily next week, but I think, you know, it zooming into like the top 10 is completely, completely uh, attainable. Yeah. So, I, I mean, Taylor Swift, all, all things Taylor Swift are doing well right now. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift, we're talking about her again. <laughs> Speaking of Bang Bang, Ariana Grande and uh, The Weeknd, their new collaboration moves into the top 10 this week, uh, Love Me Harder. And Keith, I mean, this has this just been kind of headed up the Hot 100? I, I, it seems like it's been headed up really quickly and it's been latching on at radio or, or did something cause this surge to, it, to push it in? You know, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to play a little ignorant. I don't know, <laughs> but I can tell you that it's up across the board. Um, it's up 19%, at least in terms of points on the Hot well, the, 100. Yeah, the video, sorry to interrupt, but the, the video came out. But I feel like... It, I, I like the way you're like, sorry to interrupt, I actually know the answer, Keith. No, no, but that, but that's <laughs> but that's the thing, is like the video, like it wasn't like that it's the video. buzzy of a video, I guess. It wasn't like an anaconda or like a blank space. Like, you know, I mean, I mean, it was a cool music video. It did well when it came out, but it, I, I feel like it, it didn't really reverberate for days in the past week or so and well no the, i mean the the bulk the bulk of the reason why it was up this week was because of its streams and then it also had a huge uh jump in sales so the stream you know the video streams you know in turn helped you know drove drove people to buy the song and it also was gaining in radio but it was really the sort of the one-two punch of the video causing people to buy it so that's why it's in the top 10 this week well, very cool. So, congrats, uh, Ariana Grande, ama- amazing run. Now, I guess four top ten. I think it's her fourth this? top ten this year. Yeah, yeah. So crazy. And no, and and and, and well, I won't go there. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yeah. Um, also doing well this week. Selena Gomez is back in the Hot 100. The Heart Wants What It Wants, the lead single from her greatest hits compilation, coming out later this month. Uh, scores a top thirty debut. So you know, this is this is kind of a one off, and she is the end of her um you know basically the end of her career on hollywood Records. she's jumping to interscope so but won't her next album be like a joint venture interscope hollywood is that how is that how they're gonna do no it? no that's uh no no really oh. yeah so no it's uh, uh next one is just on interscope and uh yeah i mean but but this 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 uh, th- did you see this video when it came out last week? No, I know I know that she's then, I know it's I, I know the, the the vibe and the direction that you're you about seem, to go in. You seem disappointed in yourself. It's okay. I am disappointed in myself because I've seen screenshots of her crying, and I guess it's about Justin Bieber. I don't really. It's know. a little bit I like mean, yeah. I mean, just not obviously very very different situation, and I want to make that clear. But in, do you remember when Rihanna dropped the Russian Roulette video? Um, and it was just like her like being very serious and and this darkly lit song and it, it seems like that that's the kind of vibe i got from the heart wants what it wants and its music video very very tear streaked let's let's call it that so um yeah selena gomez and keith i guess we're going to be talking about this sean mendez something big uh has that has that come up on your radar at all because i, I know I, it exists i've seen the hashtag <laughs> <laughs> It actually debuts on the Hot 100 this week, by the way. Where is it at? Do you know? Number 92. Okay. So I feel like this is a song. I, I don't love this song, but I uh, buy all the Shawn Mendes stock you can right now because this kid is going to be a big deal. He is opening for Taylor Swift. 
in North America next year. And I, I mean, this this song is something big. It's doing well on YouTube right now. The video came out yesterday on on Tuesday, I should say. And uh, yeah, well, definitely one to keep an eye on as well. That that opening slot on a Taylor Swift tour is is really the the primo gig that you want to have because I mean in the past hasn't hasn't there been like like Florida Georgia Line I think opened for Taylor um, like Ed Sheeran opened for Taylor there was like some other like pop act that opened for Taylor like sort of a viral type who was it who was it Jason um, that's a good question man uh, I don't know uh, maybe we'll get. I'll come back to it. We'll come. We'll <laughs> return to it. But Shawn Mendes, something big, now on the Hot 100. Uh, his his last single, "Life of the Party," had a top 40 debut, number 24, this past summer. So Keith, before we get to Nick Jonas, very quickly, man, let's spend a couple minutes talking about the week in uneasiness. We need like some bumper music for the week in uneasiness, like you have the chart stat music. But we don't we don't have that right now, but so we're just gonna do the weekend on these. We don't. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, just like a. Yeah. We need like a trombone slide. Awkward. Awkward. So Austin Mahone, Austin Mahone, that's who opened for Taylor. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. I thought you were just. I thought that was part of the weekend on easiness. So it was just screaming Austin Mahone, Austin Austin Mahone's Mahone. name. Awkward easiness. So Nicki Minaj, her only lyric video the song only featuring drake and lil wayne and chris brown got her in some hot water got the video's director in some hot water because of its nazi imagery and always uh, a great choice in 2014 to have nazi imagery in a lyric video i'm of course being sarcastic but it's just artistic license yeah so uh, it's it's just kind of like a uh, like an smh moment for Nicki. not for Nicki minaj she came out and said you know obviously i wouldn't want to have any nazi imagery i it, it but it's more of an obviously i wouldn't but my video my lyric video has it yeah exactly but you know who, who knows like in terms of the the mechanics of a lyric video how much you know input she had in the artistic direction oh, please after that cover story that we did on her where she's talking how in control of her career she is and how many meetings and conference calls she has, she had to have approved this, so she saw it. Yeah, I'm sure she Not saw like it. Not like this slipped out and she didn't see didn't it. see it. Yeah, maybe she didn't make the connection. But the 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 more like SMH, and this is the second time I'm saying SMH in this podcast, the SMH moment for me was the, 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 um, the video's director came out and was like, and literally said, sorry, not sorry, and was like, what uh, what happened the first amendment doesn't exist anymore as if anyone in the world is saying no you can't do this, this like arrest this man instead of saying no maybe hey guy maybe you shouldn't have nazi imagery in a lyric video in 2014 it's just yeah i'm like w- would he be so quick to defend someone who i don't know used a bunch of ku klux klan imagery yeah, exactly. or some sort of like you know lynching imagery i don't know i know maybe he wouldn't the moral of the story ladies and gentlemen don't use Nazi imagery in lyric videos in 2014 or any year beyond that or any year prior to it. If you did already, just let it just, just stop. Um, moving on. Eminem. Ah, uh, Eminem. Eminem. <laughs> he, in a, in a new Cypher video for, uh, in anticipation of this Shady 15 record, he compared himself to Ray Rice and then... Always a good thing to do. Always a great thing. Yeah. Right. And threatened to punch lana del rey which that's sort of par for the course punching pop stars that you don't like i mean he's kind of gone down that road before but really the ray rice thing yeah it's just you know (laughs) 
<laughs> like really? what what do you even say to this it's just so ludicrous and so offensive and so but it got him attention and so stupid and it, and it did get him attention it absolutely did but it's it's just like again it makes him edgy again it makes Ooh. him edgy again and i i just you, you know he's in this cipher he it, it, it's funny because in the cipher everybody picked up on the lana del rey line but he made some horribly homophobic references to Anderson Cooper about like 30 seconds before the Lana Del Rey line. Yeah, obviously, Lana Del Rey is a pop star, so people latch onto that. But it's just the whole thing is disgusting, and I, I don't even know why we're talking about it. But it's it's just it's because it's disgusting, and we should be talking about. Well, it, it is. No, know? I'm saying it, I I don't even know why we're giving him the attention that he so craves by making a statement like this. But I guess the the point of what I'm I want to say is that it, it's i'm so i'm i'm just tired of Eminem doing things and then saying oh i'm not going to apologize because there's not any fearful repercussions for them i guess is my point i mean do you like i remember when you know his whole shtick of like playing a character and mm. being like oh i'm not homophobic this is just the character i play but then do you so he can use the f word and and all, and all this stuff, the, the homophobic F word, I mean. And then, you know, I, do you remember a couple of years ago when he used the N word or he was caught using the N word in, in some sort of freestyle, but then he said, oh, I'm so sorry. That's like, why is that not the character he's playing? Why is he scared of those repercussions? I mean, obviously, it's obvious that why he's scared of those repercussions because the hip hop community is comprised of African-Americans. It's just, it's so inconsistent and so laughable that I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, so while you were talking, I found the Anderson Cooper lyric. Yeah, and which we won't read right now. Oh, I can't. I can't read no, this please, because no. it's 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 isn't this on isn't this on the Shady album that's about to come out? It is not. No, it's part of the. It's, no, it's not. No. It's just like a, it's like a mixtape thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's out there, but we just can't talk about it because it's a family show. It's a family but show. If, yeah. It's a family show, but. If you if you felt that the Lana Del Rey <laughs> lyric was kind of bad, you might think the Anderson Cooper lyric is even more horribly, horridly horrid. Yeah, that's that's all the point. All but the hey, point. it's all just a character. Exactly. It's just a character. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm sick of it. Anyway, so the the last one, and again, I I don't mean to group this with Nazi imagery and and horrible, you know domestic violence uh boasting but um uh, and a, a small a smaller uneasiness is uh, rodney jerkins gave a, an interview where he said he's working on a 20th anniversary compilation he wants mm. artists to redo some of his biggest hits and he mentioned that jesse J and ariana grande would be taking on the boy is mine by brandy and monica so keith what was your we haven't talked about this offline what what was your first reaction when you heard this news you need to give it up. I've had about enough. It's not hard to see. You don't need to remake The Boy Is Mine with Jesse J and Ariana Grande. And I bet you, I bet you that this won't happen. <laughs> you don't think so? I, I, I think it will. I think there's so much interest in it that I think it will. No, I just, it just seems like, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's the Rodney Jerkins kind of like, you know, firing off, like, you know, blathering. Like, oh, we're going to do this. And so I'm like, I'm sure all of them are just like, we are. I mean, we may yeah, have mentioned that yeah. in passing in a meeting, Rodney, but I didn't really, I mean, do you have Do you have information on this that I don't, that it's actually a done deal and it's already been recorded? No, in no, the I, I, I don't have any information on it. But I think that, first of all, the I use the word uneasiness because it's just, what's, 
point. I mean, The Boy's Mine is like a perfect song. Like it, it basically would be like remaking like Pulp Fiction. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like you don't need, which came out 20 years ago, and you, you don't need to remake Pulp Fiction because the original is so perfect that you you just how are you going to pr- improve upon it? I mean, I get it's like it's like a tribute, but like. I don't know, and and this is no, you know, well, this a, is no it's a tribute to a song that he produced. Exactly, that's the, that's the whole shtick. Like he's he's getting current artists to redo his songs that he produced, and he produced "The Boy Is Mine." He also mentioned how Sam Smith was going to cover Whitney Houston's "I'm Not," uh, "It's Not Right," but it's okay. Um, Dark Child. Uh, so <laughs> I think what's interesting though is that there is a generation of people, uh, your generation, because I'm not in your generation. Oh come on. Uh, well, I'm not. Uh, this generation of younger folks, sort of in their 20s. Us whippersnappers. That, uh, no, 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 no. This is no, not I an know, old man on a yard moment. Don't you dare. <laughs> um, it's it's the idea of your childhood being robbed again, where he's like, oh, man, the boy is mine. is my jam. And like it means something in your head. The same thing happened back when, you know, Mariah Carey and Luther Vandross remade, you know, Endless Love. And everyone was like, why are they remaking Endless Love? Diana and Lionel did it just fine back in 1980, 81 or 82. Yeah. And yet they did it again, like, you know, 10 or so years later. So now, you know, 10 or so years later or a little bit more, we're going to get perhaps a remake of a song. And I think that's why it's resonating with the Twitter generation, because it's a song that came from their childhood. Um, I don't particularly care that much. You don't need to screw with a song that's already perfectly fine. But hey, if you wanna, and they're game to do yet another duet together, sure, why not? Hey, why not? Well, because... Uh, I, it ma- because it makes, they don't need to? You know what? Yeah, exactly. Because it it's just gonna be a yelling easy, match man. between Jesse J and Ariana Grande on the song? And I, I don't want to give any slight to Jesse J and Ariana Grande, I, because, you know what, they can, they can do what they want, and they're they've already released a very successful collaboration if they want to do a sequel go for it it's just don't the boy is mine it's just hollowed ground come on so it's funny how the the boy is mine is hollowed ground but anyway (laughs) i mean of all the songs in history that's hollowed ground that is like did i say hollowed i meant hallowed hollowed it's not like hollow like you would step on that ground and then hollowed ground hollowed ground so, and you know when I when I said screaming match between the two, uh, you know they're just both known for sort of they're both known for singing with an S A N G. Jesse sings and and Ariana sings, and it's going to be a lot of singing between the two of them. Maybe well the thing is that that the boy's mind is is it's almost like a cordial discussion between Brandy and Monica. Yeah, and then and, this and would, it be would not be less between cordial, these two. a little bit more shrieking. So <laughs> yeah, all of the subtlety from sort of the um hi, I can I have a conversation with you? Yes. Oh, really? That that whole vibe will be out or the window, violent. and it's just like yes. girl. <laughs> exactly. All right. So thus endeth the week in uneasiness on the Pop Shop Podcast. So Keith, let's do it, man. Let's get to our interview with Nick Jonas. So backstory of this interview. So Nick played three shows last week in New York City, and I caught up with him on the last one, and. It was in Rough Trade in Brooklyn, and bef- I-, I caught up with him before the show to interview him for the podcast. So, you know, we sit down for 15 minutes or so and have a great discussion, and then, you know, we wrap up, and I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. But, you know, he had some time to kill before his show, and there's Rough Trade is a, is a, a new spot in Brooklyn that has ping pong tables up on the balcony. So Nick is poking around for a couple paddles, and me, I don't know if you know this about me, Keith, but... I consider myself a damn good ping pong player. So I'm like, hey, man, I'll take you on. So he's like, all right. So 
Nick Jonas and I started playing ping pong. That's exactly how I would have said it too. All right. All right. That's how that's how he talks. All right. So we Go start ahead. playing ping pong and I don't know how much you play ping pong, Keith, but any I don't. If you play if you play ping pong, you need a little bit of time to adjust to, you know, the softness of the paddle and the construction of the table in terms of the material. You need a little bit of time to warm up and get, you know, your bearings. So, so you're saying that he whooped you. So the uh, first, so the first game, to- so the first game, I'm still collecting my bearings. He's 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 a he's a really good player. Let me just say that off the bat. He's a really good player. I consider myself a really good player. Like I actually get cocky about ping pong. There's so much. There's so much preamble to you getting whooped by Nick <laughs> Jonas. So he whoops me the first game, right? He w- uh, he wins like twenty one thirteen, and I'm like, ah, you know what? I was like, he deserved. I, I and I'm pissed because, like I said, I'm cocky when it comes to ping pong. But I'm like, you know what? It took me. I'm I'm shaking the rust off. I hadn't played in months and months. I was like, all right, all right. Let me let's do a rematch. And I swear, man, I I, I felt like I was gonna win that rematch. And he's. He's getting, he's sweating a little bit. It's a, it's a much closer game. It's twenty to nineteen, and then he, and then I flub the last, the last point, and he wins twenty one nineteen. So, Nick Jonas beat me twice in ping pong last week. I was very sad. I was happy for him, but I was very sad myself. He, he gave me like. But I like the imagery of of Nick Jonas sweating and playing you against all him right. in ping pong. All right, he, he sweaty he, Nick he, Jonas <laughs> playing you in ping pong. Well, the you're thing is, so I asked, you're the booty. So I asked, I asked. I, I, it's funny because I came home and I, I, that from, I, I watched the show. The show was great. I came home that night and my fiance, she was like, what, what's wrong? And I was like, ah, like I should have won that second game of ping pong. Uh, man, I was, I'm still, I'm still torn up about it a little bit. So a- anyway, 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 uh, I talked to Nick Jonas before we played ping pong. I talked to Nick Jonas about, his new album and which which is is great it's self-titled and it's out now and you know what finding his sound and moving on from the jonas brothers and again like i said i asked him about you know the perks of being shirtless in a marketing campaign so here it is nick jonas on the pop shop podcast we are here with nick jonas on the pop shop podcast thanks for stopping by you have a you have a big week this week uh yes pretty insane pretty insane but i feel like the last you know two months have kind of been that way i've just been on on riding the wave pretty hard what's been what's been the highlight what is the one thing that you take away from these couple months like is it seeing jealous rise on the charts on the radio like performances what what's number one Uh, i think there's a couple different things i think one of the biggest things for me is uh, experiencing a song grow in the way that Jealous has. You know, I think seeing people's opinions change of me or, or just giving it a shot and then being surprised that they actually like it. You know, things like that that um, are really meaningful, you know, that you, you strive for as an artist. And, um, you know, it's, it's been great and a totally new experience from anything I've done before. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's so fascinating to me thinking about where you you were like a year ago and, you know, the the project goes on break Jonas Brothers goes on hiatus and then literally almost exactly a year later you have this fully formed solo statement I mean can you describe feeling the way you feel now versus the way you were a year ago like has it been a complete transition it has been a a huge transition and it really I mean is almost exactly a year from when the brothers decided to close that chapter Um, and you know it's one of those things where I feel like 
I had a vision of where I wanted to see it go and, and knew that it would take some time. I uh, didn't really expect it to, to for, for the tide to sort of turn as quickly as it has and, and, and for, you know, us to be in this kind of new chapter and um, just loving the ride, you know, and, and, and really enjoying every moment. And um, I, I'm thrilled to get this record out and to really sort of step out and, and make these statements. It's funny, we had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, we had Darren Chris come on, and he yeah. he said that you know he was a huge fan of Jealous, of, of what you're doing, and he, he said something interesting to me, which was that he always knew you were going to make it as a solo artist. He didn't know what kind of style you were, you were going to do, because you can do so many different things, but he always knew. So that got me to thinking, why this style? Why, what made you kind of clamp down on this, this R&B, this, this very sensual vibe that this album represents? I think it was about uh, tapping into what came most naturally vocally. Uh, you know, I had done some songwriting producing for other people, for other artists. And so, you know, the, the idea was there to touch on some of those things that I, I learned from that experience working with different writers and producers. And, uh, and, and most of what we were doing was kind of in this lane. Uh, and so I just went for it myself, and, and it was a really natural thing. And... Um, you know, I, I feel like when I get up and sing, I'm the most comfortable I've ever been because it's it's really feeling just like it's in the right spot. I feel like the buzzword for this album is mature. Everybody's talking that, oh, it's Nick Jonas is more mature here. He's growing up. When you were putting this this album together, did you have any kind of hesitations in terms of lyrical content, in terms of maybe you know dropping f bombs, any kind of any anything like that in terms of your fan base? Well, you know, I think I was willing to step into this next chapter, knowing that I was trying to make bold statements and step out in a big way. And if not everyone from my past came on that journey with me, that's okay because you know I'm doing what's best for me at this point in my life. And growth is natural, you know. Everybody gets older and and uh, experiences different things, and and I write about those things. And uh, as a stepping off point from there, you know, uh, I, I hope that you know if the, if the word is mature from this one, and then, then we just build on that. And the next record, even if it's lyrically not mature, that it's uh, my heart and showing the growth in me. How how has the fan reaction been? Just in terms of what you've seen, what what I mean, obviously, Jealous is doing well. People seem to be really taken with this project but in terms of what you see day to day what what do you experience uh it's evolved in yeah. a big way and i think radio has played a big part in that you know because it sort of opened the door for people that would not have given music from me a chance uh open the door for them to take a listen to it and uh the reception's been amazing um so looking out in the crowd at these shows and uh seeing completely new faces and uh you know, really what was kind of an unexpected audience for, for a Nick Jonas show. And um, it's been thrilling to, to, to see it grow in that way. And, um, you know, these have all been kind of cool underplay gigs uh, for more intimate crowds. And I'm hoping I can get out next year and, and play some bigger shows and, um, you know, really sort of just take that next step. I got to ask about the shirtlessness, man. I got to ask because I, you know what, this song's blowing up, but you are blowing up. Everyone's like, Damn, Nick Jonas is ripped. Like what? So what? Can you can you give me who you know? I I'm not ripped at all. I'm a little flabby. I I own it. I'm great. Thanks, man. <laughs> what what? Like how has this transformation take taken place? Like is it just 
are you just a complete exercise freak? No, not at all. Really? I, haven't been, I haven't had any time to get to the gym lately. I, f- I feel gross, but uh, you know, it's it was important for the role for the show I, in the show I'm in called Kingdom, yeah. um, which has also been a, a insane element for this next chapter. But um, you know, physicality was a big aspect for the character, and um, you know, really becoming kind of a monster and being strong, and um, so yeah, I gained about 15 pounds of muscle, kept it on. And uh, just went from there, but you know it, it's it's cool. I, I think that whatever the drivers were to get people to the music, um, all that matters to me is that they got there, and yeah. um, they did. And, and if it was that shoot or other things, then that's that. But were you um, were you know, expecting that at all? Like I wasn't expecting it. No, I, I I didn't really think about it too much as we were doing the photo shoot. Yeah. And then afterwards, I kind of looked back at some of the pictures and was like, oh, <laughs> this is interesting. <laughs> this is this is provocative. But you know what? You're totally right that it did, you know, whatever it takes. It, it, people are listening to this album. The Tanache remix of Jealous is is great. How did that come together? Because you guys are on different labels. Are you guys, did you guys know each other before we this came together? We didn't know each other. Okay. I loved her song. Um, I, uh, basically the way it came up was we were looking for someone to do a feature. And a couple different names came up. And uh, Tanache came up and we were all thrilled with the idea. And we heard, you know, after we presented the idea that she loved the song. Um, so she got in and recorded it, and you know, within a couple of days of just the idea coming up, it was done. And um, then she and I had the chance to do 106 in Park together and a couple of different radio shows, and uh, I was blown away. She's an absolute star and such a pro. You know, she hopped up on stage at my Williamsburg show last night without any rehearsal or anything, and nailed it and just rolled with it. And and the audience was incredible and loved it. And it's great, you know, to have another sort of breath of life into that song because, you know, for me, it's it's now almost I don't know nine months old. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's what's crazy about radio and and this new world is that uh, there's still a lot of people that haven't heard it. And you know, even though I feel like it's older news to me, it's it's continuing to grow. So thanks again for Nick Jonas stopping by the pop shop podcast and for beating my ass in ping pong check out nick jonas uh the new album it's it's out now it came out earlier this week and check out the keith i i meant to ask you this have you seen the gospel version of jealous on youtube not yet oh man i haven't oh man you have to check that out so keith let's do it man we got to wrap it up uh it is time for your charts out of the week hey okay so um 40 years ago this week uh on november 16th 1974 so actually if you're listening to this you know not on the 16th it was slightly hit anyway this week 40 years ago uh john lennon hit number one on the billboard hot 100 with Whatever Gets You Through the Night. Uh, it was his only number one single uh, as a solo artist in his lifetime. Uh, and uh, he was the last Beatle to have a solo number one hit on the Hot 100. There's a really interesting backstory that goes along with the song, though. Um, he was recording this song for his, I think it was the Walls and Bridges album. And he recorded it with Elton John. And Elton John was red hot at the time. And uh, on the song, Elton did uh, piano and organ, and he had some background vocals. So when you listen to it, you can pretty, you can hear Elton on the track. Um, and there's this is sort of a legendary story, and I think people listening might already be familiar with it. But um, 
Elton was so sure that this would be a hit single that he said, oh, it's going to be number one. It's totally going to be number one. And and John Lennon was like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a hit because, you know, John Lennon hadn't had a number one yet. And, he, you know, he was kind of hit and miss with the singles. Sure. So Elton was, was super convinced. And he's like, no, it's going to be number one. And I'm going to make you a bet. If it goes to number one, you have to come on stage with me and play in a show, in a concert. And John Lennon was like, oh, okay, because I know it's not going to go to number one. I'll do that. And then it went to number one on the Hot 100. Oh, yeah. He had to make good on his promise, and so on Thanksgiving night in 1974, John Lennon came on stage as a surprise guest at Madison Square Garden, uh, played three songs with Elton John. The crowd was went wild. Um, they didn't know that he was going to be there. They had no idea. You know, this is way before social media. And uh, that was actually his last uh, live, you know, in-concert performance. He, he made a couple, like he had a TV appearance, I think, after that, maybe somewhere. Um, and, 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 but after that, he never did a proper live concert again. So uh, thanks to a bet with Elton John, we got to have John Lennon on stage one last time with Whatever Gets You Through the Night. That was number one 40 years ago this week and a great story to go along with it. Amazing, man. That is an amazing story. All right. Thank you, Keith, for your Charts of the Week. All right, man. That's going to do it for us at the Pop Shop Podcast. Thanks to all listening. Thank you to Nick Jonas again for stopping by to talk about his new music. And tune in next week. We're going to, I believe we're going to have another pretty cool guest on next week's Pop Shop Podcast. The, The hits just keep coming, man. Do you have any parting words? I do not. We're going to go out on Nick Jonas's new song, Teacher, which is, uh, which is a great song. It's a great dance song. Check it out. Thanks again to Nick Jonas, and take care. So let me teach you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.